Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Hey, I want to jump into the message today on what what, uh, God has for me. We're just going to get into a little bit of it, but I do want to welcome our Mount Carmel and Carlinville family watching with us, as well as Effingham and Evansville, Eros family, all of them watching. Can we give it up for all of our people watching online? What's up, guys? Good to have you. Good to have you. It's good to be back. Uh, I was gone last week. Can we give it up for my dear friend, Blake Bradley, and last week? What up? So thankful for Blake and promise. Uh, We were talking this week, 15 years. I've got to know those wonderful humans, to borrow a Blake phrase. And uh, man, what a blessing they've been to Dawn and I. And uh, man, grateful, grateful. Thank you so much, Blake, for the word. Uh, also, don't forget Jesus Book 2 class is also tonight, and the Growth Track Room will be continuing that 6 o'clock, so come ready for that. Come on, we love the Bible, so we get a little excited when we open up the Bible here at the Rhodes Church. If you got them, let's open them up to Deuteronomy 31. Woo! Deuteronomy 31. We've been talking about this for a few weeks. I missed last week and the week before that. We kind of just had ministry, so we really haven't preached on this in uh, probably three weeks. I'm going to hit right to a point this morning, so uh, follow along with me. Thank you, Jesus. Pray for speed and clarity. Let's just pray right now. That'd be a good idea. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to reveal your direction, your purpose, what you're breathing on, what you want to do. We welcome you, Lord. We want you to show us the way, show us the truth, show us the life. You're all of that, Lord. So we just say, come. Lord, we just bind fear, we bind any distraction, we just thank you for love, love, fill us with love, fill us with the fullness of your love so that identity can be found in you, validation can be found in you, purpose can be found in you because of your great love for us, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, look in uh, chapter 31, look in verse 1, it says, now Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. All right, mark mark this down. He will destroy. Excuse me, put those, uh, underline those words. He will destroy these nations from before you and you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said. I want to stop right there and go up to this verse. This is the verse that God started speaking to me about, and this concept of the Lord, God, he will destroy the nations before you, and you will dispossess them. It really leaped in my heart back in January when God started showing me this passage, and then I wrote down four keys to dispossessing that I have not gotten yet. If you watched the North Georgia Revival last Sunday night, I preached on them in a summation form. But here at home, we're going to go a little deeper. So we're going to teach on each one of them, each one of them, and break them down. Here's why. I believe there's an importance for us to understand the knowledge that we need to grow in our relationship with Jesus. In the world, in, in the concepts of the world, we don't have any questions about the value and the importance of growing in knowledge growing in understanding and becoming more effective. When you go to a job and you've never worked that job before, you show up, you have a desire 
you have a, a want to, but you don't have any knowledge until they teach you their system, they teach you their software, they teach you their methods, whatever. You have a desire, you have a will, they have a will. They want you to be successful because they just hired you. You want to be successful because you want a good job. So you have wills that are working in cooperation. We want the same thing, but what is the gap? The gap is my knowledge. I don't know how to do it yet. Anybody ever started a job that you felt overwhelmed? Got a lot of yups, that's fine. I remember my daughter, my oldest daughter graduated college and got her first job and she started her first job. We were talking about saying, hey, how's it going? Is it something she'd never done before? Wasn't even in her degree. And she's like, man, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. All these people are expecting me to do this and I, I don't know how to do it. She had expectations up here for herself, but her knowledge allowed her to only, only operate here. She said, I'm just afraid I'm going to get fired. She just didn't know what to do. Stressed out. Guess what? Two years later, now she's training other people and telling other people what to do. What is the difference? Knowledge, understanding created an effectiveness that she could not experience without it. Well, guess what? Why do we think it's different in the kingdom of God? We embrace that in the world, but in the church, we embrace an ideology that my knowledge doesn't matter, my understanding doesn't matter, and it doesn't matter if I'm effective. God will just do whatever he wants to do when he wants to do it. And that, that ideology has been embraced because it's been taught for so long, especially in our Midwestern culture, this Calvinistic idea that I just come to church and I just be a good person, and if God wants it to happen, it'll happen. If God doesn't want it to happen, it won't happen, and I have no responsibilities to gain knowledge and understanding. I just come to church. That's what we do. I don't have to be effective. I just have to pray a prayer and go to heaven. I'm telling you that teaching has to be debunked because we're not going to be effective unless we gain knowledge and gain understanding. Why is it that that's understandable for me in my job, but in the church, I want to come up with a whole new game plan. I don't need to know God. I don't need to understand how he works. I just let him do whatever. And then I complain when he doesn't do it like I want him to. I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. So we need to gain in our knowledge and understanding. Look what he says, two things that I think we need to gain our knowledge and understanding. And number one, that he will destroy the nations. He will destroy it. We already talked about that in previous weeks, so I'm not going to go into great de detail about that. But Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. He's going to destroy the nations from before, from before you. And then, but we're going to do the dispossessing. How are we going to dispossess them? We need to increase in our understanding and knowledge of God. So I'm going to challenge you lovingly as a pastor, as a, as a brother, as a friend, as a whatever you want to call me. It doesn't matter. I want you to understand that you need to grow in your knowledge of God. Don't be someone who's just satisfied coming to church and listening to me talk. That will not help you enough. You need to know God. You need to know Jesus. You need to know the Holy Spirit. You need to know who they are. You need to have a relationship with them. Hearing me talk about them won't help you know them unless you engage beyond here, take what you heard, and go deeper in yourself. Jesus, in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, talking of Jesus, it says this, Luke 2, 52, and Jesus increased, everybody say increased, Increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Wait a minute. Who increased? 
Jesus increased in what? Who is Jesus? He's the son of God. Jesus is God walking on the earth. John chapter one, he was the word that was in the beginning and he became flesh and dwelt among us. This was the one who created the entire world. But on the, in the, when he came on the flesh, it says he increased in wisdom and stature. If Jesus had to increase in wisdom, I'm just gonna say, homeboy probably needs to increase. If he increased in favor with God, do we just read over that? You realize it says that Jesus increased in favor with God. The son of God increased with favor with God. We need a whole session just on this one verse. So if Jesus increased with favor of God, is it possible for homeboy Chad to increase with favor with God? Yes. We can increase in that. I'm not talking about merit salvation and earning my salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if Jesus had to increase in his knowledge of the Father and knowledge of the favor of God and increase in that, how much more do we need to increase? Just a thought. So now let's look at it. How do we need to increase? We need to increase in knowledge on how to dispose or sorry, dispossess, dispossess the enemies. I'm gonna give you one, I've started to say four. There are four keys on how to dispossess your enemies. I'm gonna give you one today, okay? Here's the word dispossess. We need to understand what it means. Remember, we're in verse three. He will destroy the nations. Who's doing the destroying for us? God is, Jesus is. Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. So now how are we gonna dispossess the enemy? How did, how did Israel dispossess the enemy? Here's what the word dispossess means. It means to take possession of something, to occupy by driving out the previous tenants and possessing in their place to inherit, to expel, to cast out, to put out of occupancy. So when I say dispossess, what am I saying? You gotta get it in your heart. That means we're gonna drive out what's currently there and we're gonna reoccupy with something different. So God said, I'm gonna destroy your enemies, but you're gonna dispossess them. So remember, what do we say destroy means? It means to unseat or take away the authority. So the authority of the enemy has been taken away, taken away. So now, if the authority of the enemy is taken away, now we can drive him out. So what are we driving out? We're not driving out Hittites and Jebusites and Canaanites anymore. I don't know how many of you are dealing with Jebusites today, but I'm not. I haven't seen any Hittites show up in my bedroom. What am I driving out? Today, we're driving out what are our enemies? Sin, general, lust, addiction, bad attitudes. Really, you could look at Galatians chapter five, the works of the flesh are these. We gotta drive them out, and what do we do? We drive them out, and fruit of the spirit right after that, we occupy in their place. Two parts to dispossessing. One is the driving out, and the second one is reoccupation. Most of the time we screw up on the reoccupation. We have a desire to be free from something, but we don't know how to backfill it. In other words, I'm gonna quit this habit because I feel bad. You regret doing something, you regret losing your temper, you regret 
throwing something across the yard or you regret cussing at someone or you regret looking at something on the internet or on your phone or you, you regret, you have this feeling of guilt of, of this thing. So we're like, okay, I'm not gonna do that anymore. That's a desire to drive it out, but we don't know how to backfill and reoccupy with something in its place. So we have the guilt for a day or two or a week or whatever, and then if we don't backfill it with something of God, then it just comes back and says, hello, I'm still here. Look at me. Dispossessing involves both of those. Driving out and refilling. Refilling so something doesn't come in and take that spot. Number one key to dispossessing our enemy. That's the only one we'll get to today. We have to know what is ours to possess. If you're in Israel, we put it in the context of this passage, right? Israel had to know what was theirs to possess. He didn't say, I want you to take the entire Middle East. He didn't say, I want you to just take over everywhere, take over the entire world. That's not what he said. He said, I'm, I'm going to give you a specific spot. We have to know what he wants for us. We have to know it's ours. It's, we have to know it's our inheritance. In other words, we have to know we have a right to experience what God said. We have to know the will of God. Here's what Hosea 4.6 says. My people are destroyed for lack of... What's the problem? What's the gap? I, I want to be a successful employee. My employer wants me to be successful. I'm not successful right now. What's the gap? Knowledge. Jesus wants me to be successful. I want to be successful with Jesus. What's the gap? Knowledge. Growing in knowledge and understanding of him. In Numbers chapter 34... You're talking about the Israelites going in to possess the promised land. In Numbers chapter 34, if you'll read it sometime, I don't have time to go there now, but God specifically lays out the boundaries of the land that he wants them to possess. Go ahead and bring up the slide. This represents the area right there that God gave them the boundaries from Numbers chapter 34 and also in Ezekiel 47. All of this area and nothing beyond it Everything in it and nothing outside of it, this is what I want you to dispossess the enemy. In other words, this is the land I've given you. God told it to him. He said, these are your boundaries. I want you to possess everything in this part. The challenge was all the people were still there. God said, I'm, here are the boundaries of your land. Go get it. Go get everything within this boundaries. It's yours to have. It's yours to experience. I have it for you. But the people of Hebron, of Jericho, of Gath, of Arad, they were still there. Nobody told them they're supposed to leave yet. So what did they have to do? Israel had to show up and drive them out. What am I getting at? God said to them, everything within this boundary belongs to you and you have the right to drive all of them out. Get them all out. Show up to their house, show up to Hebron, say, hey, I love what you've done to your place. It looks great. You're moving out, I'm moving in. How do you think the Hebronites are gonna think about that? Oh, well, welcome to your home. I'll just go wander aimlessly in the wilderness. They didn't like that. But no matter what others thought, whether it made sense or not, or whether they deserved it or not, God said they could have it. Yes. 
Why did they get to have it? They only got to have it because God said it. If they would try, of course you wouldn't go out in the Arabian desert, but if they would try and go outside of these borders, again, sorry, production team, I'm trying to, this is Edom and Moab, this area, he said, that's not yours. And there's a reason, I don't have time to go into that. He said, you don't get to have that area. If they would have gone into that area and said, hey, we're taking over that area, God would have said, nope, I'm not destroying the enemies there. They would have failed because God wasn't with them. But inside the boundaries, all of it belongs to you. Now you have to go drive them out. So now what does that mean for us? Who gave, who gave the Israelites their boundaries? God did. He spoke it to them. Where do we get our boundaries? God tells us. No matter what others think, no matter whether it makes sense or not, no matter whether we deserve it or not, if God says, Chad, this is the life that I have for you, this is the life that you can experience, I have to believe what he says and I have to drive out every enemy that prevents me from experiencing the life that Jesus has for me. What does that look like? Well, I may have to drive out some selfishness. I may have to drive out some pride. I may have to drive out some bitterness. I may have to drive out some unforgiveness. Because it's taking up land that belongs to God. I, 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 may have to, I may have to drive out some bad attitudes. I may have to drive out some lustful thoughts. I may have to drive out. My enemy is occupying space in my life and I've got to drive it out because I want to experience the life that Jesus has for me. So you've got to go and I'm going to set up camp with something different. Who gives us the boundaries? We have to know what the will of God is. Look in John chapter 8 verse 32. Because here's what I found in my own life. We will not drive out anything that we think God wants us to have. We'll say that again. It's important. We will not drive out anything that we think or even possibly might be thinking God wants us to have. In other words, if I think God gave that to me, I won't drive it out. So I need to know the will of God and the boundaries for my freedom. I need to know what I can experience and how far I can go to experience the life Jesus has for me and I cannot listen to Cousin Bob. No offense to anybody named Bob, I just randomly picked that right now. If you're my cousin and you're named Bob, God bless you, it's not you I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about is I can't let people, people tell me my boundaries. Because they may not even know that those boundaries exist. So they may think, you know what? I don't think you should live like, I don't think you can live like that. Everybody's got to deal with this. Everybody's got their own vice. Everybody's got problems and struggles. So don't try and live free from all of that stuff. You're like, wait a minute. Jesus said, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. John chapter 8, 32, did I tell you? It says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you, the, you shall know the truth, knowledge, and the truth will make you free. The power of the truth cannot be released unless it is known. Known. Let me try it again. The power of the truth cannot be released in my life unless it's known. You knowing it doesn't help me get free. Me knowing it doesn't help you get free. The power of the truth sets me free when I know it. When I know, you know what? I don't have to put up with that anymore. I don't have to deal with that anymore. 
I've got a right to be free from that. I've got a right to be free from that torment in my mind. I have a right to not think those thoughts anymore. So in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that I know the truth, that your truth gives peace to my mind and to my heart. It guards my thoughts. So in the name of Jesus, you thoughts get out, and I'm going to meditate on whatever is lovely, just of good report of anything praiseworthy. Thank you, Lord. That's how we dispossess. Tormenting thoughts, anxiety thoughts, just worry, 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 worry. Well, everybody worries about something. I'm just a worry wart. Who wants to be a worry wart? Man, some of the things that we say. Do we know it's the will of God that we don't have to worry? Do we know that? I'm just worried to death. I'm just worried to death about what's going to happen. Worried to death. Let's just say that together. See if this sounds like a good concept. I am worried to death. Does that sound like a peaceful life? Does that sound like something God would have me to just swim around in and backstroke in? I'm just worried to death. See, that's going to be a meme sometimes. That's just, it's what happens. This happens. You do this. You try and help people. You just try and help them. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? We say these things, I'm just worried to death. But he says, be anxious or worry for nothing. But in everything, through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. So now when worry comes, if I don't know my boundaries, if I don't know my borders, I will go, well, hey, it's only right to worry to death. Everybody worries to death. My mom worries to death. My cousin worries to death. My dad worries to death. My friends all worry to death. It's what we're supposed to do. We're just worry warts. So you just worry. But when I was younger, there was a song that said, don't worry, be happy. Come on, come on. Middle-aged people getting excited right now. Revelation, just bam, bam, bam. So what am I talking about? If I know my boundaries are that I don't have to worry, how do I know those boundaries? Because I just quoted Philippians 4.6 to you. If I didn't know that, then I wouldn't know that I have a right to live free from worry. What tells me I have a right to live free from worry? Somebody's opinion? No, the word of God gave me that boundary. And he said to cast your cares upon me because I care for you. Whoa, wait a minute, that's what the word says. So I've got a boundary of worryless life. Yeah, right, whatever. Again, see what happens? Natural thinking, setting your boundaries. And they'll set them all day long. They'll set them for me. They'll set them for you. And we will not dispossess worry because we'll think it's our friend. I'm just worried about them. I'm just going to stay up and worry. I've got, uh, sorry, I checked myself. I was getting ready to have a worry walk right there. I don't know what I was going to come up with. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? We'll, we'll just worry. That's what I was thinking, pacing the floor. We just, we just worry or we wring our hands or, oh, I'm just worried, worried. What's, what am I doing? We're not praying. And here's what the enemy does. He just keeps us up at night. I wonder what they're doing. Do you know where they are? It's getting close. 
past curfew. I'm just worried about somebody's health. I'm worried about, we worry about a lot of things. But the Bible says, be anxious for nothing but pray about everything, everything. So I have to know the will of God to know the boundaries. I have to know that God said, listen, I want you to, and I'm just talking about worry. We could talk about a lot of things. I'm just trying to use an example that if the devil's going to try and keep me up being anxious, I need to get up and say, wait a minute. I'm going to dispossess you. So worried thoughts, you're out. Peaceful thoughts. And I'm going to begin to pray. I'm just going to pray and pray and pray. They're not home? Well, I'm just going to start praying in the spirit. Watch me pray in tongues for a while. See what happens to you. I don't know where they are or what they're doing, but when I start praying, angels start moving. Angels start moving. I don't know what's going on in that situation. I don't know what's happening at work. I don't know. But when I stop worrying and I start praying, I don't know if I'm going to get cut. I don't know if I'm next in line. Let me pray about it. Lord, I just praise you that you are Jehovah Jireh. You supply all my needs. Thank you, Lord. Oh, even if this job doesn't work out, you're still my provider. You're still going to take care of me in the name of Jesus. I cast the care of this job onto you. I cast the care of that onto you. And I trust, Lord, you're going to take care of me. Dispossessing is about driving out the things that are not of God and possessing the things that are of God and saying, listen, I have to know what the will of God is. Last, last passage, go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. just a passage on the screen because you got to have your Bible. Second Peter chapter 1, everybody there? Verse 2 says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of and of Jesus our Lord. Now hold up. Grace and peace be multiplied to you how is grace and peace going to be multiplied to you? In the knowledge, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus. Anybody need any peace in their life besides me? Need peace. Well, how's peace come? Peace comes by knowing God more. Peace comes by knowing Jesus more. As I increase my knowledge of God, increase my knowledge of Jesus, guess what happens to my peace level? Increases. That's, that's increasing right there, pumping it up. Sometimes you just got to be in there to know what's happening. Dangerous. But as, as, as I increase my knowledge of God, peace starts to fill my life. Why is that? What a strange dynamic that I know more about a person and I get, an, I get the effect of that person. What is it? That's because Jesus is called the Prince of He's the prince of peace. So when I know more about him, I get the effects of him. If we chase, if we chase the effects of someone, we will never really love the person. If I just want peace and I don't pursue the person, then when I don't feel peace, I'll turn my back on the person. But if I will just chase after Jesus, 
then when I need peace, oh, then the Prince of Peace is available. When I chase Jesus, when I need comfort, he's the God of all comfort. If I would just chase after Jesus and want the person of Jesus, everything I need will be found in him. But when I, when I just want the benefits of him, then I only come to church when things are going my way. I'll give as long as I got extra, but man, if things are tight, I'm not. Or I'll serve as long as it's convenient, but not. But peace is multiplied to us through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. Look in verse 3. As his divine power, his div- whose power is it? It's his divine power. It's not ours. But his divine power did what? Has given to... Woo! Are you reading your Bible? I know I don't have it on the screen. His divine power. Who's the power from? It's from him. It's from Jesus. Are you paying attention to Mount Carmel? Carlinville. These people are dozing off on me. Had to come down and wake them up. They've been to India. I'm just kidding. They aren't like that. I was just, I was just reminding of when we were in India and they've slept on me before. So it's back, flashback. I'm just kidding. That's an inside joke. Hey, stay focused on Second Peter. It's my bad. My bad. Has his, whose power is it? It's his. Is it ours? No. But what did he do with it? What did he do with his power? He gave it to, bam, bam. Who's the guy that throws, emerald, throws the salt in there, bam. Jesus took, I don't know, I'm just coming up with some strange comparisons right now. He took the power that's his and gave it to us. How did he give it to us? Acts 1.8, and you shall receive when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So now, remember, the power is not a thing The power is the Holy Spirit. It's the person. That's why we don't chase after power. We'll become like Simon the sorcerer. Oh, here, let me give you some money that I can buy this power. I want the effect of the Holy Spirit without a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So he said, I'm going to take the power, my divine power, and bam, I'm going to give it to you through Holy Spirit. He's given to us all things How many things? All things that pertain to life and godliness. Anybody got anything that pertains to life? What does that mean? Uh, Everything in life? Everything in life, right? Relationships? Marriage, children, job, health, finances? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really into that spiritual stuff. Hey, do you need to eat? That's part of life. God wants to be a part of that. Do you, need, do you need income? Yeah. Well, that's part of life. God wants to be a part of that. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? He, he gives all things that pertain to life and godliness. But here's the part. Through what? Through the knowledge of Him. I have to know what the will of God is. The first key to possessing everything God has for me is I have to know Him. I have to know my boundaries. And He's the one who tells me who I can be, what I can be, who I can become. He gives me all of that. He says, Chad, you you can do better than this. Here's what I feel like God was saying to me during praise and worship. I was just going to listen to the Lord. He said, I want you to tell some people that they need to dispossess the idea that they cannot move forward because of what they've done. 
there's people listening to my voice that you've already disqualified that you can move forward because you, you had a, you know what I'm saying. You had a boo-boo. You had a mistake. You had a bad decision. You had a, you turned left, you should have turned right. You had one of this, oh, I wish I wouldn't have. You had one of those. And so now you've disqualified yourself. You think you're in this category over here. But Jesus said, let me just tell you something. Let me just tell you something. No matter what we do, there's always a way back into the right standing with God. And that way is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So anyone who's having this idea that they, they uh, uh, cannot come back to God or they've got to, got to spend a long time earning the favor back. God's saying, listen, I want you to dispossess that. That Jesus died for us. He died to make us new. And if we know him, he says, it's, he says through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue, last verse, verse four, by which have been given to us exceeding and great, sorry, exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, right here, through these, you, me, can be partakers of the divine nature. Chad, you can become like me if you go through these exceedingly great and precious promises and apply them to your life. I can become more like God. I can experience more peace. I can experience more joy. I can get all that. But it has to be through a relationship with him. So here's the first key. We have to know what is ours to possess. We have to know what's ours to possess. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.